On this week's episode of Along the Keel, we take a trip down to Essex, Connecticut to hang out with Dan Harding from Power and Motor Yacht Magazine. In the salon of his 28 Bertram, we chop it up, learn about his come up in the boating industry, his love for telling stories, and how he went from being a sinkhole inspector to the editor-in-chief of an iconic boating magazine. That and more in this week's episode of Along the Keel. And be sure to check us out on social media. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to learn more, head over to alongthekeel.com. I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast and be sure to stick around towards the end. Dan, it is, it is good to meet you finally in person. I feel like absolutely in the industry, it's always been, I've seen you behind the camera (laughs) and I've been like, what does that guy do? You know, we're we're still figuring that out. (laughs) It's one of life's great mysteries. It's one of, (laughs) one of life's great mysteries. That's exactly right. That and you know, I think the first time I saw you was in the Newport Boat Show, mm-hmm. you know, which is obviously a pretty pretty rad place to be, you know. Definitely. Some of the biggest and and best boats in Rhode Island coming together, well, from around the world, right? And, and just such a great location. Hard hard to beat the Newport Boat Show. Hard to beat the Newport Boat Show. We know what's even cooler though is like the Secret Charter Show. I don't. Yeah, if, have you I've been to that I've out? been to that one. Yeah, that one's pretty neat. I always tell people I'm like. By the way, guys, there's also a secret show. Are we allowed to talk about this? Well, oh, that's true. That's a good point. You know, they might get kind of mad. The, the, putting that on the podcast. <laughs> it's out to the world now. Now everyone knows. The millions of people that listen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Around the world. That's right. That's right. But, you know, it's it's good to meet you in person, having seen you on, you know, countless magazines mm-hmm. and your work as, an, as a journalist for Power Motor Yacht Magazine, all the other ones that you, they're a part of, which we'll learn about today. Um, but also even... You know, you going around and kind of curating the stories behind the boat, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right now we're on your classic 28 Bertram, and you know, it's just it's a testament to your love for the water, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, curious to see your your come up and uh, just how everything kind of came to be. Sure. Well, there's a there's a couple answers to that. I mean, one version of the story is that I got really lucky with an internship in school. Mm -hmm. I went to school for journalism and landed an internship at Yachting Magazine. And that was that was really where I got my foot in the door Mm -hmm. in the industry. But taking why journalism? Well, that's actually a great question. So even from my earliest days doing I grew up boating with my family. Mm -hmm. We had a 33 egg harbor on Long Island. And all through my summer cruises, we would, I would always journal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I always, you know, no one really ever read it except for my grandma, but on all our, all <laughs> our vacations, she's still one of our famous, uh, one of my favorite readers, but yep. you know, I would journal about what happened that day, what happened on these vacations and just from an early age, I don't know what it was, but I loved doing that. Yeah. And, uh, every night sitting in the bunk bed, writing about the adventures and misadventures, That's stories, pretty cool. stories that only a grandma would love. And then, so, get to fast forward. Now I still get to chronicle my boating adventures. Right. <laughs> a little different, slightly larger audience. And but get paid. Yes, I, I get some money. And no, yeah. not not at all. So really, I think that love of writing and especially boat writing, it started from such an early age, and yeah. uh, never knew that was going to be the path. Yeah. Now, did you always grow up? on the water like was that there's some families that are really into hockey right and there's some families that are that are really into soccer and all these different sports and then there's also some families that are really into boating you know and and that was definitely the case that was it yeah we were we were born into it you know i remember 
my brother was very nearly born on the dock one day. Is a, a famous Harding family story. But uh, was he really? It was pretty close. It was nah. pretty close. We were. Uh, I, I was four years old. I was getting. We were going to take the boat to uh, the beach. I was all excited. Sand, yep. sand bucket in hand. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I made it to the boat. My my dad and mom were up in the parking lot. And my mom was starting to have my brother. My dad's <laughs> like, "Get back in the car." I was like, "I want to go to the beach." He's like, "In the car." So, yeah, we were. A boating family all the way, all the way through every Damn, summer. Since birth. Yeah, for especially for him, he yeah. was quite literally almost born into boating. But uh, that's pretty hardcore. That's awesome. Yeah, it was our, our summer trips and and most weekends too. In the yeah. spring, summer, and fall, we we would kind of live on the family boat and uh, really just got that feeling of escape. Yeah, from yeah. from the real world, and that's something I'm trying to replicate now with with my family and this boat and right. and my son so right and so you picked this boat up what was it was it last year yeah yeah okay. we, we picked it up in the I guess it was the spring of last year mm-hmm. and uh, the birch of 28 was was the dream boat for a long time I uh, <laughs> I've seen some people that have just done unbelievable restorations of it yeah and I wanted a project boat I maybe didn't know you know what level of project I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, we'd had a sailboat, a 1961 sailboat. What? Who made that? That was called a Rhodes Chesapeake. Oh yeah, so yep, I know that boat. Yeah, yep. it was it was beautiful, but uh, that was a lot of work. That was a real Craigslist special. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> so we got this boat, knowing that we had a uh, our young son on the way, and mm-hmm. uh, just always thought this was a great family boat. So yeah, I mean, I gotta say. I'm you know, and I've, we've talked about this several times, the 28 Bertram, mm. pretty much anything built by Ray Hunt, right? Mm. And that, that classic design, um, you know, nice nice size flare, like good dead rise. It's just a good looking boat. And not a lot of people realize, but he also pretty much wrote the book on boats for Boston Whaler, Wellcraft, right. like major, major boat brands. I mean, yeah. the dude was brilliant when it came to that. Absolutely. But the, the 28 Bertram, is by far when I think of like New England boats, for some reason the twenty eight Bertram's like top of the list. Are you I, the same? I'm yeah, assuming because you I own mean, one. I, I like to I like to think so. No, <laughs> I've uh, it's it's got a lot of appeal. You know, it's got the the Bertram name, which is very cool, yeah. and it's got the the sea cred. And to me, it was also just that a nice compromise of everything. Bo- every right. boat is a compromise, but for us and a and a young family cruising New England, mm-hmm. this was this was the right boat. And we're yeah. excited to kind of make it our own this year. Yeah. Our first yeah. full season. What's the what's the plan cuz you you'd mentioned like, you know, well I think every boat is a project mm-hmm. in in long term, I think right? that's yeah, I think like, that's true. There's always something to be done, but yeah. sitting here in, you know, just in the cockpit like as we walked on the boat, like the the nonce kids in great shape, yeah. the hull's in great shape, you know, all the windows are here. There's no cracks in them, right? Which, not yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not yet, right? <laughs> but like, it's really, really. I mean, for 1974, yeah. like she's in really good shape. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I had I've had a lot of help. So it's you know everything from we had the with some of the cushions redone. My mm-hmm. my grandma handmade uh, new <laughs> new curtains. The old ones were were just destroyed and moldy, yeah. and they were shot. And we had my parents come up a lot, help install the new water system and, yep. and a lot of electrical projects. So it's, uh, I would say that boating can be done affordably. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's hard and it's rare. It's not for the faint of heart, mm-hmm. but it really helps when you have a lot of good people around you. Right. That's, yeah. And that's where I've been super lucky. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the misconception, right? Like a, well, it is and it isn't. Boating is expensive, right? No it, doubt. It, it's not a cheap thing to get into. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, the best thing to do is build relationships in the industry. That's right. And I think for guys like you and I, 
that's a lot easier said for us because it's it's also our career, right? That's right. Um, but there are ways around it, right? Mm. So you've mentioned you've mentioned your grandmother like three or four times <laughs> now, right? So my guess is she's probably a pretty big influence in your career and voting and whatnot. Am I am I wrong about that or? Uh, she's definitely a big influence. Maybe not as much. I mean, she. They also. My grandparents had a boat mm-hmm. growing up, but uh, and we did some boating together. Not not a ton, but she yep. was more of an influence. Probably more outside of the boating space, but uh, mm-hmm. definitely a number one fan. So just like <laughs> to give a lot of shout outs. Shout out to grandma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. Exactly. I yeah. need new curtains too. One more. I need. I need yeah. a couple more done. So. Come on, Grandma. That's the plug. Get on there. Get on there. Get those curtains going. <laughs> yeah, my grandmother um, was a big influence in hmm. in my boating background. Really? And yeah. I mean, three months old, there's a picture of me on the boat on her fridge still. Really? And oh, it, that's awesome. It, yeah, and it's funny because we still have the but the boat is still around. Like that's the boat that I go play on, and um, other than my boat and. You know, it's just, it's cool. It's a Boston Whaler, mm. classic name. Which one? Uh, that one is, it was the first version of the Dauntless. So okay. it was a 17 Dauntless. I now have a 17 Montauk, and then, which is kind of like the family boat, and then a 20 foot V20 step lift. Nice. Which also Ray Hunt designed. Well, Montauk's Ray Hunt too. Right, right. Pretty sure. But so you growing up in the boating industry. Mm. What made you kind of, you know, take journalism, right? Because if you're sitting out there, you're writing down your your stories by the end of the day, and what were those early articles about? Like, what kind of kept you going in the boating path? Like, you could have gone like, you know what, I want to be a sports journalist, right? Sure. Or I want to go do something else with this career, but obviously you stuck with boating. Yeah, and, you know, it was, I, I really felt a calling. I, I loved writing. Uh, I got a lot of positive feedback from it mm-hmm. from my early days in uh, cool newspapers and things like that. And I really just wanted to be a writer. I was super lucky that I was able to get myself into the marine industry and really marry these two passions of mine. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know that would be the case. I mean, I didn't, if you asked me at a young age, you know, you're going to, I had no indication that I would write for a boating magazine. I thought maybe a fitness magazine mm-hmm. or a newspaper or something like that. So, just uh, extremely lucky again. With had the right internship, worked really hard to make the right connections and, mm-hmm. and network, and you know we and uh, really just make yourself indispensable. I, I wrote web stories at, at an early point for uh, not big money, but it was just I I was super hungry to keep my foot in the door. It opened mm-hmm. a crack with the help of a family friend getting me an internship, but mm-hmm. I did everything I could to elbow and push and, and yeah. keep that door open. Yeah, you bring up a really cool point which is making yourself indispensable Mm. like making someone actually be like no we want you to be here yeah and there's no because it sounds to me like there was no resume right it was like nah, we want we want dan to be here right which is a cool feeling so when you say indispensable what do you mean by that well i mean to me it was willing to do anything i you know i didn't have to run and get much coffee but i certainly if somebody (laughs) wanted it i would have done it i uh like I said, writing these web stories for for little money or, or just helping out any way I can. It was somebody who I met during my internship with Mary South later became the editor in chief of yachting. Mm-hmm. And she remembered me from my from my internship and she was the person who really gave me my first crack and first uh first full time position in the industry. That's cool. Yeah, and then uh just did whatever you could to you know, to stay in it 'cause it was um it was kind of a funny story. 
you know, after after college, I was the editor in chief of the school paper. Mm-hmm. I had all these great internships at Yachting and Newsday. I thought anyone's going to crack into journalism. I'm, yeah. I, I got this. I'm <laughs> I'm the hot stuff. Well, you graduate, and uh, this is 2011. You realize pretty quickly I was maybe as hot as I hot as I yeah. thought I was. I uh, had a short stint where I was a sinkhole inspector. What? Yes. Yes. A sinkhole inspector? It, yeah, it was. Uh, they were digging a tunnel through a rail yard, and essentially my job was to stand uh, stand in this rail yard and uh, <laughs> well inspect for sinkholes. This was uh, in Sunnyside Yard in Queens. It was um, about as far away from marine journalism as you can oh get. Oh my God! Yeah, it was a real humbling moment, and yeah. uh, and at that point, you know, I was just I was so hungry to. Get out from being a sinkhole inspector. I used to mm-hmm. write these stories for a small publication called Boating Times Long Island. Okay. And they paid $70 per story. Yep. And that would be a, a feature-length story. And that's, right. So I'd be traveling around, and, and I was willing to do that, too, just to just to get the get the clips. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, I think working that sinkhole job really got any entitlement I had out of my mind. It was like I, I would have written for free right. to, to keep my foot in the door and, and to— Keep get a job like I have today. Right. Super blessed. And stay hungry. Yeah. Right? That's Good that's point. such a huge part of being, like, trotting down that path and doing what you want to do. Like, merging your passion with what you actually get paid to do is so hard. Yeah. I mean, because anyone can go apply for a job. Yeah. Like, send your resume, go do the thing. Like, okay, yep, we can do that. Is it still hard? Absolutely. Is there a lot of work that goes into it? Absolutely. But merging your passions together and figuring out, like, no, this is this is what I'm called to do, yeah. and this is what I need to do to do it, mm. is usually a, a very windy uphill battle of just doing whatever, you yeah. know, just being hungry day in and day out and figuring that out. So you bring up, you know, a really good point, right? And I think, you know, you mentioned this book called, um, what was it, Leaders... What was it? What was it called? Remind me again. Oh, was it uh, Great Leaders Ask Good Questions? Great Leaders Ask Good <laughs> Questions, right? And I kind of wanted to make that like the theme of this conversation, right? Sure. And then also getting into the boating industry. But mm-hmm. a great leader asks good questions, and they listen really well, yeah. right? And as a journalist, you're doing both, right? Mm. So what is it about going out and getting a story? Like, how do you how do you go about doing that? That's a great question. There's and there's so many different ways of going about it. Perhaps my my favorite way is spending time out in the water and just talking to people. Mm-hmm. And like you said, being being a good listener. You know, there's there's so many people have interesting stories mm-hmm. if you're willing to stop talking long enough and and <laughs> yeah. and ask. You know, a lot of it is some of our best stories have come word of mouth. You know, you're yeah. talking to a, a boater on the dock who turns you on to an issue or a story. Mm-hmm. Um, at Power Motor Yacht, we do a lot of um, boat reviews, so that's really a big chunk of our our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. But we might be reviewing a new Viking or a new Sunseeker, and at the same point, might meet an interesting delivery captain. Right? You know, I'm sure you you can relate to that. Oh, I mean, yeah. It feels like delivery captains are some of the most interesting <laughs> people sometimes. The characters. Yeah. I mean, just recently, for example, I was on. Uh, I was able to with some colleagues take a new Beneteau Swift trawler. Okay. To Bimini for a, kind of like an extended test. Wow, that's yeah. what hard, a horrible time. Hard, hard <laughs> job, hard job. I know, but uh, you know, one of the most interesting things, the one of the real heroes of the story was the delivery captain. Yeah. It, he um he had all this pressure to fit 
this trip in a certain timeline and it wasn't really something he was comfortable with given the weather and mm -hmm. conditions. So he was somebody I was like really earning a lot of respect for him. And then later come to find out, we sit down and we're talking like we are now. Mm -hmm. He was in the 1979 Fastnet, one of the, really? one of the, yeah, deadliest sail sailboat races of, of all time. And, wow. you know, he was sharing different lessons he's learned from that race that kept him alive then and mm -hmm. how it influences his delivery work today and then gave me a lot of takeaways that now I'm passing on to our readers in an right. upcoming story. So it's, that was a very recent, just a couple of weeks ago, but that, that's just a really good example of keeping your eyes open and, and talking to people, honestly. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's, there seems to be like, there's a skill associated with that. And then all of a sudden, selfishly, you learn a lot hmm. through that, right? Like hundred percent for this podcast. Honestly, I've called it my, my, my self-made MBA, hmm. right? Because here I am talking to that. businesses and I'm talking to people like you and, you know, it's like, shit, I could go to school and and study and research, right, all this, or I just go talk to the guy, you know? Like, why? why it just sounds like a no-brainer. So with you taking that same, you know, in a similar mentality, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you've learned from just being a journalist and asking questions? Wow, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a really good... That's a really good question. Um, you know, a, a lot of I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot of, that has influenced my own boating is is probably one of the biggest things, mm -hmm. and it's a similar theme to this captain I was just telling you about. But from my earliest days reading the magazines, I learned about uh, different disasters or different when times when things went wrong and how the number one cause of that was. A strict schedule, right? An, mm -hmm. an itinerary that someone wouldn't bend on. They put themselves in a bad situation. And, and I think through reading all those stories, that's yeah. something that, man, I've written about it. I've read about it. I should really practice what I preach. And it's not always easy, but uh, yeah. there, there's, a, there's a million things like that, that things I've learned from the magazine that, that impact me. Just recently, I was talking to my boss, editorial director, Bill Sisson, and he was sharing a kind of a dark story about, you know, I was, we were sharing concerns you know my young son is gonna be boating with us this mm -hmm. year we were just talking about how our plan to keep him safe and and things like that and he shared a story that he reported on years ago of a kid that was a young boy maybe 13 years old was swimming down pulling up an anchor mm. and and ended up in this this tragic accident of um you know he got tangled up in the line Sorry for the, the no, dark, no, little no. dark, dark, dark yeah. side story, but yep. he was sharing the story with me, and it just it just stuck with me that, you know, it's something I would have seen myself doing as a kid. Right. The anchor was stuck on a rock. Hey, Dive jo down Johnny, get it. swim down, get this thing unjammed. And it, it was a story that will stick with me forever is right. if the anchor's stuck, let it go. Right. It's, uh, it's, it. it's not worth injury or, or worse. Nope. So. It's it's just a lot of stories like that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of life lessons kind of intertwined in that. And mm -hmm. what's kind of cool is, you know, and again, somewhat selfishly, you learn from all those other people instead That's of right. having to like do it yourself. Do it yourself, right? Which is there's something to be said about learning in the moment. Mm -hmm. But if you can avoid those moments, yeah, that's also a pretty good way too. Hundred percent. So as you kind of moved through life and found your way into Power Motor Yacht Magazine mm -hmm. and what is now, correct me if I'm wrong, AIM Media, That's right? right. Yep. Um, you guys have an incredible, like absolutely incredible reach, right? Yeah. And, and all the different assets that you guys have from magazines to the you know, YouTube channel, social media, like there's a lot here, right? 
So give us a little bit more of like a 30,000 foot view of like what is AIM Media and, mm-hmm. and what are you guys all about? Well, it's it's a great question and, and I appreciate you really, you always do your homework, but uh, the, the cool thing, AIM Media is a collection of, of a ton of different magazines, but I'm going to focus really on the Marine Group and what mm-hmm. makes us special is that we have uh, seven or eight different publications and they all have their niche within the boating industry. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, like Soundings Trade Only is our B2B title. If you're a trawler enthusiast and passage making is your thing, we have Passage Maker, mm-hmm. Angler's Journal, Yachts International for the super yacht side. Mm-hmm. And having all these titles allows us to really serve the boaters. Right. So it's uh, you try to be all things to everybody, something you don't really – it's not a magazine that people really relate to. Right. So I think our collection of titles that hit all these different niches and serve these different – Boats and boaters mm-hmm. is what is our biggest strength, and and what makes us unique compared to anybody else is all of our magazines we work really well together. So mm. so at, at some other companies, it's you know you might ha- have a number of magazines in one publishing company, but there's very little interaction. I mean, with us, we're on a a weekly call with the editor of Soundings mm-hmm. and Yachts International and Sail Magazine and all these others, and. We're constantly picking each other's brains. Where can we yep. collaborate? Where where do we have crossover? Where can we share resources? And uh, it's it's such a special group, and we're lucky that it's very unique. All the editors get along so well. It's mm. just like a really good group of people, just like a good group of boaters, you know, people right. you just want to hang out with. So it's it's a group of people all pulling in the same direction, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that's the people is really what makes you know working at AIM so special. Right. Yeah. It's a good crew. No pun intended. Well, yeah, well yeah. said. Well <laughs> said. Plus one for nautical. Yeah. Teams. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. How many nautical puns can we jam into this oh, podcast? Please. Yeah. Uh, game on. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Now we're on the same page. We're away. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, but your job there is is you know editor in chief, right? right? So as someone who's kind of overlooking and overseeing like continents coming in, mm-hmm. what we're talking about, you know, what the voice of the brands are going to be, because you guys are you know multiple different you know assets here yeah when you guys are going about into into the boating season right especially mm-hmm. here in new england because mm-hmm. it's so seasonality and there's a lot of specialty be being up in new england yeah. right i mean i've always thought like you kind of have to earn your summer right where you sit through the winter and it sucks and <laughs> and it's not that i mean i don't yeah. ski or anything no so. me neither yeah. i'm with you it's yeah. terrible <laughs> three months why is, are we not in florida that, i know that's i <laughs> i was just there and i'm thinking to myself man these people boat year round like they got to figure it out. They got to figure I'm it out. I'm just jealous. Yeah. But it's a lot sweeter up here, in my opinion. I don't know. It Especially tastes, in the summer. Yeah. It tastes better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have those three months to really kind of share what you guys are, are doing, right? Obviously, you guys are industry-wide, right? Mm-hmm. But um, there's something special about being up here in New England and the tradition of boating. So do you think there's a correlation between New England and, and being up here and rather than being somewhere else? I mean- well, it's it's a good question, and and certainly you know New England's home for me, and uh, mm-hmm. and 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 I love it. And the boating season here, it is special because I have this argument all the time with uh, my Florida colleagues. It's uh, you know when it's when it is short like that, it's it, it makes it a little. I feel like it makes it a little more special. You got it. Right. You you earn it a little more. But uh, we are lucky that we travel quite a bit, yeah. so we're always chasing stories. We're regularly down in Florida, and uh, you know we got a colleague that's going up to a boat show in Anacortes this mm-hmm. week. And I just came back from 
Uh, Italy again, tough, tough oh, job. Man. But I feel no, so sorry I know. For I get, you. <laughs> I get no sympathy. Probably rightfully so. <laughs> but uh, we, we're so lucky that you know this is, you know, this job is our passion, and we get to travel the world covering it. Yeah. What were you doing in Italy? I was uh, visiting a boatyard. Okay. And yeah. what was the premise behind that? Well, I mean, really, one of the big things we try to do is we have this responsibility to cover these boats and. One of my favorite perks of the job mm-hmm. is to get to see behind the scenes mm-hmm. of some of these boat builders. And that's, you know, there's so many boats that are beautiful at the boat show. Mm-hmm. But anytime you get the chance to peek behind the curtain, right, right, and see how are these guys building the boat in the areas where you can't see, what do their wire runs look like? Let right. Me, that's where you could tell, mm. yeah. you know, which boat builders are great and yep. which are just okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think whenever I hop on a new boat at a boat show or just in anything, mm-hmm. I always... Open up the con- like if it's center console, right? Mm-hmm. Open up the center console, look under yes. and where the helm station is, exactly, and see what the wiring looks like. If right. it looks like a rat's nest, then I'm all set. If every wire is individually strung and is like perfectly made and like it just looks gorgeous, I'm like, yeah. how much do you want for this thing? You know? Exactly, <laughs> right? it's the saying, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything, exactly. and it's uh, that's that's always a, a great opportunity. Yeah, hundred percent. So from an industry standpoint, because you guys obviously having all these different categories, mm-hmm. you you're in a unique position to really share, you know, not only the lifestyle and importance of boating and the tradition behind it, which out of itself like is a great thing, but also like behind the curtain, as you said, of the industry. And yeah. we're in such this we're in a great time for the industry and there's also some struggles in the industry right now. I mean Fair. Even from a standpoint of supply chain, right? Yeah, that's that's the big one. Super hard right now, yeah. right? I was at the boat show and Yamaha mm-hmm. was like, uh, "Yeah, we we don't have engines. Like they just don't exist right now." And it's like, man, la- like a couple of years ago, it was propellers, right? Yeah. So, with you guys being in the position that you are, how important do you think it is to kind of be that voice, not only for the boater, but more so the industry? That's Another good question. I mean, and one of our titles that really does a great job reporting on that is is sounding straight only. I mm-hmm. mean, they've spearheaded our our content on the supply chain issues. I mean, they've had it's like a ongoing six part series. Mm. Really, and they have a responsibility to the industry to be reporting on these things. And and I think they're doing a tremendous job. We we also cover it to a certain extent. You know, especially the uh, with the Yamaha shortages. That yep. was that was an unbelievable story that affected so many people in the industry that we really had a responsibility to report on that as well right you know everybody from the boat builders but even the uh the the boat small boat yard that we share an office with yeah you know it's the small mom and pop marinas and boat yards were really being affected and then boaters themselves were coming to us and saying i'm being told by the boat builder i can't get my boat for for two years is that true right so we were kind of in reacting to to those demands and those questions yeah that we were reporting on that yeah you guys are kind of like a beacon for the industry you know whether you're someone that is just getting into boating or Mm. you know someone that's been in the industry for a long time yeah um and what's interesting is covid has totally changed the environment that we're in right i mean for a lot of reasons elsewhere but in the boating industry it is absolutely skyrocketed right yeah Uh, it's just been it's been really cool but it's also been somewhat scary at the same time yeah Good point. But the uh, the thing that's probably most amazing to me with the COVID surge in boaters, mm-hmm. I understood it that first summer. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that first summer, camps were canceled, sports right. were canceled. It was a great way to social distance. Get You know, it's why RVs did so well. Yep. 
I predicted that you know these these boaters are now going to go through a winter season. They mm-hmm. get the winter bill. They're going to be really exposed to some of the challenges in our sport. Yeah. And uh, but the amazing thing is it's been the opposite. The, yeah. the retention has been incredible. There's still new boaters that are entering the industry. Mm-hmm. So that's been. Uh, that's been amazing. I would have, I would have lost, I would have lost money on that, on that bet. But it's, it, you know what it is? It's an opportunity. It's an yeah. opportunity for people in the industry, and it's an opportunity if we can, if we can retain them. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, and so much of the industry is really, as it continues to evolve, you know, is getting that younger generation to buy into it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see a lot of younger boaters now, right? Mm-hmm. Young professionals, you know, in their, you know, let's just call it like in their thirties, right? Mm-hmm. Who have some, who have some income that they can then spend uh, elsewhere, right? And now we're seeing this also a shift in the from the industry side mm-hmm. of things, right? So not only is the boater younger mm-hmm. and is that group's going to be younger, but also the just the industry of in itself, right? So from your guys' point of view, the industry in my opinion has always been a somewhat antiquated, right? Just in the way we do things, right? Mm-hmm. It's always been a little bit slow to get to that get to like where the car industry is at like if we're, if we're going to be comparatively yeah right um that's fair so as you guys stand and beginning to see the thirty thousand foot view where do you guys see the industry going in the next 5 10 15 years well we are in such an interesting time period and it's such an interesting time to be a reporter and a mm-hmm. marine journalist we because i would say we have seen a lot of change in mm-hmm. recent years we just it wasn't that long ago that you know, I, IPS was just coming onto the scene, and now joysticks are on, on every boat. Every boat yeah. you know, down to, you know, single outboard right. boats. And uh, so I think the change in the propulsion, seeing the outboard market explode in recent years yeah. has been really kind of fascinating. And I think the perfect thing for some of these new boaters who probably have, you know— uh, you know, fixed amount of time. You mm-hmm. got you got a morning off before you got to get the kids to soccer practice. So, the the outboard technology has come it's so amazing. far so fast, and you know, with the joysticks and, and technology as a whole. I mean, just the boating experience, I think, is changing, mm-hmm. and it it is becoming more automotive. It is becoming more that you can come down to your boat, flip mm-hmm. a switch, or turn your air conditioner on from your phone on your mm-hmm. way down, and it's uh. It's an exciting time. And where do I see it going? I think it's going to continue to evolve. And especially, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting on the propulsion side of things. Oh, think, yeah? I, well, I think the outboard outboard trend is is not a trend. I mean, that's that's here to stay. 100%. And, uh, but I, think, I think you know we do a lot of reporting on electric propulsion. Talk yeah. about following the audio industry. And we are yep. typically behind them you know, by a good number of years. But I think as electric cars, you see more and more of them on the road. They're becoming more accepting of them on their on their boats. We have a lot of reporting coming up on a number of different electric boats. Yeah, a lot coming out of the Scandinavia and Norway. Yep. Um, but you know, the, look at Torquedo and mm-hmm. uh, and all and all of these players. Um, Greenline was one of the first companies that had this kind of hybrid electric system, but now, hmm. you know, they're they're one of ten that offer that at walking the docks at a boat show. Yeah, yeah. It's been you know recently going down to the Miami boat show and checking that out. It was uh, it was eye opening, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. even shit the the Yamaha six hundred, like whew, man, that's yeah. a good looking motor. Oh, the the Mercury, the Mercury. I'm sorry, no, Mercury. That, yeah, no, that's okay. Unless you know something yeah. I don't. No, 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 Yamaha, I don't. Yeah, no, Yamaha, the Yamaha the the, the four twenty five. That's right. right. Yep. Um, but the Mercury six hundred, like that's it's, a it's, whew, man. Well, badass. just look at that technology. I mean, it was in, 
it was exciting to report on just because of the sheer horsepower, the size of right. it, but the you know the the moving uh, lower unit and the, yep. the technology behind that is is a game changer. The, yeah. the torque problems that they're solving. Mm -hmm. Look at the size of these boats you're pushing with a couple outboards now. It's uh, yeah. previously it would have been unthinkable. Yeah, I mean you see like a fifty foot boat with outboards on it nowadays, and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's, uh, I had <laughs> the opportunity to get on the uh, that HCB sixty five for one yeah, of, for one of the first tests, and it's like. What world are we in right, right now? Right, right. A sixty-five foot center console, it's, and that'll 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 be beat too. Oh, hundred percent. There'll time. be a hundred foot one. It's de definitely you know, you down the road. You can't you can't rule it out. No, I mean I remember watching. Um, it was uh, Yuruko, right? Yeah, uh, that's right. The yeah, Jarrett Bay. That's right. They built a ninety-foot sportfish, where I think it was the everything below the waterline was uh, uh, Kevlar, mm -hmm. and then everything above was carbon, carbon fiber. fiber, or maybe it was the reverse effect. I don't, I don't, can't remember. No, I was, I was actually on that boat as well. I mean, Were that, you really? That that Man, thing is just. I know. I, I just hearing myself. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the worst. But uh, yeah, that that boat was amazing. Down to the the carbon fiber toilet seats. It's just the technology that forward thinking that this boat is going to be adapted to have some uh some some foils underneath not yeah. America's Cup style where it lifts it up but yep um yeah that boat is an it, amazing piece of technology yeah it's pretty damn cool and yeah. for as much as the boating industry has kind of lagged in the past we're at this point now where there's so much positive momentum right i, so. I mean we're in a point where right now electric cars are really not that old right mm -hmm. i mean it's only now until I feel like you're starting to see commercials on TV, and they're getting more and more. I mean, Chevrolet just came out with their right. electric truck, right, which right. is, in my opinion, it was a really good-looking truck. It right? is, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's brand new, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, Mercury is coming out with an electric outboard. Like the, the boating industry and the car industry are really getting close, and it's been really cool to see the technology come in because mm -hmm. what it's doing is it's, it's tightening that gap between – I don't know how to drive a boat, and I'm really kind of frightened by it, to, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy a boat. No problem, right? Well, I'm sure you're seeing that a lot. I mean, you have experience in training new boaters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, how much and, – and when was it that you were doing that? That was a number of years ago. Yeah, that was um, – I was in 2019 – no. Yeah, 2018, 2019. Okay. Yeah, so not too long ago. Right, but, I mean, how much the technology is even changing now where yeah. it's – I mean, almost everyone who's buying a new boat, it's going to have some sort of – Joystick. Like, I mean, how mm -hmm. much that has just changed yeah. everything? I think. A hundred percent. And you got companies like Siren Marine. Yeah. That it's everything's by your phone yeah. now. Like I was going to mention, the digital switching has. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Really things. I mean, you wonder what it's going to look like ten years from now. Yeah. Right. Because when I was growing up, it was. I mean, I still had a, a two-stroke engine, mm. where you're mixing the oil and the in the fuel, and yeah. like that's just what it was. And then when we switched to four-stroke, it's like, oh man. A, you can actually hear yourself think, and then you're also not choking on fumes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So to see now we're at a point where it's all electric, like, who knows, right? Well, especially it's one thing that's funny. We tested a Torquedo outboard a number of years ago, and this was when Torquedo was just really kind of coming on the scene in the mm -hmm. U.S. And we were, you look at the dinghy dock, which is which is packed, and we'd be the only one with one of those little electric motors. Yeah. Now you, you go to dinghy docks, especially around New England, but I've been to dinghy docks around the the country and now half of them are electric and yeah. it makes sense because you're, you're charging the batteries on your boat you don't have to cover you know diesel boats don't have to carry gas anymore yep and uh they're really good quite yeah. frankly yeah the other thing that i that i saw at the boat show which was really neat was the ox uh diesel outboards yeah, mm -hmm. which i think puts the you know from a government standpoint or commercial use right 
a lot of guys are switching that way, right? Because you're using one fuel source. Even yachts are doing it now. Uh, yeah, I like it for the yacht tender market and like what you said, the commercial mm-hmm. use. Because I think for it to still kind of pay off, it, right. you got to be running the boat a lot. I, yep. I don't know if it's quite there for the recreational market, but it, it's it's making inroads there as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been neat. So as someone that's been kind of at the forefront of seeing all this new technology. I mean, I'll go to a boat show. I'll be like, wow, that's really cool. But meanwhile, Dan's already reported on it like six months ago. He's like, yeah, I've been on that boat. I was out in Italy. And, what a jerk. Yeah. Uh, yeah come on, guy. man. I got to like text you when you're. So what's new this week in, yeah, in Dan's yeah. world? Well, it, it's so funny. I really, for all the millions of listeners out there, I live a double <laughs> life. I mean, it's, it's my work life. And then it would be funny. I'll, I'll go in and, and review this Italian yacht and I'll be there with the designers. Like, yeah. yeah well, have you ever thought about this? And like, oh, yes. And then I, I come out here to uh, a leaky sailboat in, <laughs> in the mooring field. So I'm, yeah, it's, it's the weirdest <laughs> double life, but I wouldn't change it. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. What's What do you think the coolest experience that you've had being able to travel around, look at boats? Coolest experience and favorite boat? Ooh. Wow. This is this is a tough one. Well, my go-to favorite experience, I, I already shared my uh, my glory days looking for sinkholes. But yep. I was uh, I was pretty new to the industry. I was maybe at uh, I was just a few months into the industry, and I got the opportunity to cover the Mount Gay Rum Regatta in Barbados. Oh man, okay. Tough. Do you want to talk about Real tough, tough yeah. assignment? We're like yeah. doing rum tastings, and I'm sailing around on this hundred foot yacht. <laughs> but that was that just showed how weird my life was. It was yeah. where we're five months earlier. I'm standing there with a vest and a hard hat, standing yep. around looking for a sinkhole that's never going to come. Yep. And then months later, you're just uh, you know, sailing around in, in in one of these yachts, so that that to me was a special one that set the hooks pretty early. Like, yeah, yeah. Th- I like to do this. this I can, th- I this this this, this feels like something I should I could be doing. Yeah. Um, so that story has a place in my heart. And then favorite boat is oh, it's such a good question, but one another one holds a place in my heart is the Huckins Forty Five Sport Fisherman. Really? Yeah. Well, that's uh, it's I love that builder. It's just like a classic americano yep. like one of the first american boat builders and uh it was actually one of my first boats i got to test at aim was this hawkins huh. 45 and it was i think the headline was like wolf in sheep's clothing where it was this this storied builder but it was uh it was a fiberglass boat I believe yeah. it was ips and it was it was just perfect it was it didn't have a million tvs it mm-hmm. didn't have Every piece of new technology. There was no carbon fiber toilet in that one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was just classic. It was beautiful. It had everything you needed for a family. Yep. And uh, yeah, the the owner was was great. And uh, that one. That, that was the that, one. That one was a winner. Yeah. That yeah. One, that one was hard to beat. You know what? It, there's so many boats, but I could see myself in that one. So if they're, okay. if they're listening and want like a summer rental program yeah, or sponsor, something, come yeah, sponsor them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He can, he'll write a great story and, and get you on a podcast. And <laughs> yeah, 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 come like by. That. Yeah. What, what about you, Dream Boat? Dream Boat? Oh, man. I've been really looking at the release boat works. Mm, Those, they're just ph- phenomenal. Um, I think their fit and finish is gorgeous. I Frankly, I've never been on one. But based on what they have on Instagram, yeah, I'd yeah. gladly if, release. If you're listening, this I'd gladly <laughs> take one. Um, yeah, I'm an outboard guy. You okay. know, I, I, I do – I love – the idea of diesel motors, but mm-hmm. honestly, um, just the 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 loud noise. If if I could do without that, that'd be great. Yeah. Now a lot of boats these days are pretty well insulated, you know. True. And you know, without with outboards, you get 
A, they're easy to replace, you know. I mean, they are although, expensive. Although expensive, yeah. Yeah, but if possible, right? right. Um, you know, I think parts are become a little bit more available somewhat. Um, and then at the same time, like, you know, gas, right? It just makes life easy. Sure. Uh, but to have an outboard, I mean, a diesel, an inboard boat, you know, I think if I, if you get something with like twin cats on it or something like that, mm. I mean, that's always, that's always awesome too. Well, I ran a boat, um, for Cito and it was a, it's a UTB 41 and that by, and it's a utility boat. So okay. basically the Coast Guard, when they started changing, transitioning to, uh, lighter, faster boats, like the 45 response boat and all those just jet drives and whatnot, mm-hmm. they, they started getting rid of the UTBs and just using them as like backup. And honestly, that boat right there, A, is probably the most easy to drive, mm. super fun, and quick. Like, for 41 feet, it did, like, 25 knots. Okay. And not that that's, like, super quick, but yeah, yeah. for an old, you know, it was, I think it was built in, like, 1970-something, like, late 70s. That's amazing that your, your dream boat, besides the release, is a 1970s boat. I love it. Dude, I could. You, I it's like all, your style. It's all that's aluminum. <laughs> like, if you took that boat and, and redid it, and made it something like really, really cool. Um, I think that'd be it. That'd I think that's a story I'm interested in. Keep me, keep me posted the on that 41. one. Power, yeah, I'll power, let you know. Might be a little, we'll follow the bill. <laughs> it might be a little while. All right, well, uh, we can hang in there. Yeah, well, the one that I ran for Cito, they actually purchased it from a guy who was commuting from Falmouth to Nantucket, and that was his like little commuter boat, or maybe it would have been Falmouth to the Vineyard. But he was wow. like some wealthy guy that was like, "All right, I'm gonna buy this and commute from it." So right, right. Beats, it was, sure beats the ferry. Sure beats the ferry. And yeah, this, and this is what I'm talking about. I mean, these are the kind of stories that come up organically just right. by talking to the docs, and it's like, that sounds like a profile we need to do. Absolutely. I mean, so absolutely, yeah. And that's kind of the cool thing about the industry, though, mm-hmm. is there's so many, much like uh, much like Narragansett Bay, which I know you've been to. Um, Selfishly, I think it's the best place in the world to go boat. I I wouldn't argue that at all. <laughs> no, it's, uh, no. I spent uh, lived in Newport for around three years. That's and those right. Years we had the sailboat, and and you'd be hard pressed to find a better body of water. Yeah, all protected. The places you can go: Bristol, Newport, Jamestown, everywhere. It's everywhere. That's a that's a special body of water there. And there's so many nooks and crannies. Yeah. Right. And within each nook and cranny, there's another story to be told. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. What's that rock signify, or or what is that wreck over there? Or how did this happen? And there's so much history in that bay, and there's so much history on the water. I think that's why I love New England so much, is because there's so much tradition associated with the water. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, you you could feel the history in, in cruising New England. I feel like. Right. Right. I mean, the Keys and all those in Florida definitely has that too. Fair. But I mean, <laughs> country started here, so. <laughs> but okay, winner. <laughs> Going up for New England. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So as like as this evolves, right? The industry's going in a really special place. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you guys are evolving with it. Yeah. Right. So how have you guys kind of taken by storm the the evolving like where we're going next? You know, I mean, you know, you guys have the podcast. Mm-hmm. You guys are a you know a force on social media. Obviously, articles and blogs like that's not going away. Right. You know, and, and in my opinion paid advertising is actually getting probably going to get pushed the wayside and really what it comes down to is content marketing and creating content which is what you guys have been mastering for for years and years and years yeah well uh, that's i appreciate you saying that i think the um what it all comes down to in media these days is it's a war for attention span this Mm -hmm. is this is something uh 
you know, what my boss and mentor is, is always preached is you're not competing with another boating magazine. You're competing with Netflix. You're competing mm-hmm. with all the, everything on your cell phone. And, and if people are going to take time out of their incredibly busy lives to sit down with your magazine or your Instagram or, or watch one of our videos or listen to the podcast, it's got to be quality content. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, quality has never been more important. I think right. it's, you know, you start, the minute you start phoning it in, uh, you know, rewriting a, a press release is the mm-hmm. minute you lose a reader forever. They just, people are more demanding. They demand right great content or they're going to move on to something else. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's something we try to always keep in our mind is like, remember, it's a war for attention span. If we, people are giving us their attention, mm-hmm. we need to be good stewards of it. We need to right. give them something, something that's going to stick with them. Yeah. And so, and anytime we, another principle of what we do is we always try to ask ourselves, you know, what, what do we want to consume? You know, we're lucky enough to be boaters. We spend a lot of mm-hmm. time on the water. You know, what, how do we make the magazine that we'd want to read? Right. And, and that's really been a question we ask ourselves at the start of every new issue. One issue goes out mm. the door, the next one comes out. It's like, what do we want to read about? And, you know, my, let's get a nice mix of interesting profiles that are going to inspire you. Or let's, you know, a couple safety stories that yep. are going to impact boaters. And, and then, of course, some, some reviews that are honest. Yeah. You know, that's, that's another um, big cross we have to bear and a big, um, big part of the Power Modiot job is right. not just, again, glossing over and rewriting a press release, but doing a deep dive into a review not just testing the boat, but then going to the factory to see where the boat's made and yeah. then going to talk to the owner of that boat. Right. Um, that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but we then kind of let the stories dictate the medium. Right. So there are certain stories that are just um, born for video. You mm-hmm. know, we a famous one we did was we had a Palm Beach 70, and they called it a commuter yacht. And, mm-hmm. we're, like, and we're like, okay, well, how, how can we do this story a little differently? Well, we just, we're thinking about the commuter yacht and the Gilded Age mm-hmm. where, where people would take these boats into Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So we came up with this crazy idea. We're going to have one of my colleagues take a train into Manhattan, and the, oh, boat, cool. the boat is going to race the train, and it's going to be this race down to Wall Street. That's and, really uh, cool. Yeah, so it was just like it was a fun way. You know, we reported on the boat. You know, we gave potential buyers the information they needed. But for any boater, even if you're not interested in buying the Palm Beach, you had a, hopefully it was an entertaining story. That had mixed a little bit of history, some yeah. fun, some humor, yeah, and some information. Yeah. Um, but that one, so that was born for video, right? You could, right. you can't do that story without a video. But then sometimes you might be just sitting down with a with a salty soul, and mm-hmm. and it's it's more of a, a podcast. It's a better uh, medium for it. So we right. we try to find the best stories in boating, and then figure out what medium is best. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Who won the race? It was uh, it was a close one. It was a close well, one? the train ed- the train edged oh, the boat out. Man. We there's a couple no wake zones I forgot about. So, yeah. uh, but back then they didn't have it, so it would have been a closer. Would have been a closer. Race. Right. So back in the Gilded Age, they probably would have won with. The oh, rat. you know, arriving to the city on a Palm Beach seventy. Oh, you're you, you don't lose. There's no there's no losers in a race like that. <laughs> no, you. I think the I think the guy on the yacht wins on that <laughs> one. Yeah, because I mean, imagine showing up to the office like, oh, sorry guys, the. Uh, the no bumpy. wake zone yeah, slowed no me wake, down. No wake zone took it's me out a little bit. Yeah, that's amazing, crazy. right? That's amazing. Yeah. Who has a cool yacht is um, uh, Billy Joel. Yeah. He has a cool commuter. Yeah. Out of um, where is it? Westerly. He keeps it. Well, he keeps it in Long Island, and then he will keep it in Westerly as well. 
Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that boat's name right now. Vendetta. Vendetta. Thank yeah. you. We reported on that boat, and, and the the refit on that one was oh, really? was, was amazing. It was. Uh, it's not Vendetta. Isn't Billy Joel's anymore? But it, oh no, it was. But it's still in Rhode Island. And it, it is. Was, yeah, it was refit by a new owner who did an unbelievable job. I forget where the refit was done, but they did such a classy job modernizing it while yeah. keeping that commuter yacht. That uh, fit and finish. Aesthetics. Yeah. 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 That's a that's a real celebrity boat. Yeah. Well, and the name is pretty badass too. Yeah. Can't be that. Vendetta. It's you like, know I'm I'm from Long Island so anything Billy Joel is yeah. uh, is okay by me. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny like every time I would go out to Block Island, mm. you know, mostly like doing a job out there, I would always throw on. Um, what's the name? Down of the East song? or Alexa. Down East or Alexa. Oh, I live. Uh, I brush my teeth. Yeah. That. Yeah. It's exactly. The best. Yeah. People would be like. <laughs> Dude, again? Really? Oh, my colleagues. Any of my colleagues that have cruised with me will say the same thing. It's like, really? Here's Dan again. There it the is. Down East or Alexa. It's like, you know what? It just hits. It when hits. it hits, it feels right. Exactly. And plus, every time you listen to it, you make it home. So there's there's a correlation. Knock there. on wood. Yeah. Knock so on wood, uh, right? Yeah. Billy Joel for the win. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, to kind of wrap it up, mm. like, as just from your perspective, right? When you see so much going on in the industry you see a lot of things going on in social how do you kind of take a step back and still enjoy boating for what it is right like how do you kind of go out on the water get the story out of your head like you know work all that stuff and really focus on like what it is what it means for your soul right like Mm. for me boating has always been a passion it's that time of day when if I'm having a bad day or if I just want to like totally zone out, I can go for a boat ride and it's like I got like a I don't even know. It, you just it's got this the, like shot of passing. It's a yeah. reset. Yeah, it's a great way to say it, you know. So, how do you still keep that at bay? Like how do you still keep the work separated from the the passion and the pleasure, but at the same time you 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 still allow them to meet in the middle? That's that's an interesting way of of putting it. I, I guess I haven't thought of it thought of it too much it's uh you know i've never had any issue where you know boating is my passion and my pastime and mm-hmm. then you know do i get do i ever get tired of it because I'm, I'm you know always talking boats or, or mm-hmm. getting on different boats but it, it's been so different for me you know it's when maybe it is kind of this double life because i i'm reviewing the the nicest boats out there and then at the end of the day i'm working on a classic boat with uh with my wife and and family mm-hmm. it's uh they, they, it's funny. They, they mix, they mix well though too. It's mm-hmm. uh, just hearing you talk about boating as a reset is is something I've I've preached forever. And uh, you know, right out behind us is a is a mooring field where we had the sailboat, and then last year we had the Bertram. Mm-hmm. And and one of my one of my biggest secrets was you know every once in a while my favorite thing in boating was we would sleep on the boat on a weeknight, mm-hmm. and that's you want the secret to life. I mean that's <laughs> you know we would. I'd, I'd get out of work. My wife would, would meet us and take the dog and the dinghy out to the boat, yeah. maybe grill out and sleep out on the boat. No TV, none of these distractions, just, you know, looking up the stars, having a real conversation, just taking that deep breath mm-hmm. that you just you can't quite do at home. And then, you know, you wake up on the water. And, and to me, that's a special, that's a special thing. You, you get to wake up and when your day starts – with a dinghy ride and mm. when your commute starts with a dinghy ride back to the dinghy dock, you're, you're bound to have a good day. You can't help, but I, I would come into the office on days like that 
with a smile on my face, and it felt like I, I had, like, the world's biggest secret. It felt like yeah. I just had a three-day vacation. Yeah. It was, uh, and few things can do that for me. You have that reset, get away from all the distractions. When I'm on the boat, you know, we, my wife and I try to push each other to put the phones away. And mm-hmm. you know, we even play a game if we're, if we're boating to a certain destination. No Google Maps. You know, yeah. why don't we, why don't you walk around and, and try to ask somebody where the ice cream shop is or, right. or find something cool without your head buried in your phone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's just so many distractions today on land between your, your phone and, and different commitments, family, friends, work. It's uh, the, you know, the rat race. And, uh, yeah. and being on the water, it feels like you know, we leave all that shit on the dock. Yep. Yeah, it forces you to be present. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and that's the one thing I, I hope. I hope the readers of Paramodiot or, you know, people who watch our videos, I hope they, I hope they capture that. I hope, yeah. you know, because when I come back from these boat trips, that's something I kind of use as a, as a, as a lens that I look through the industry through my right. own experiences. I hope people stay in it. I hope they make great memories with their family. I hope they're inspired to cruise a little further because of a story they read mm-hmm. or feel a little safer because of the story they read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I hope it compliments people's great boating memories. Yeah. Well, I think you guys definitely accomplished that. I mean, it Thank you. being it being around for how many years now? Man, 36, 37 years. 37, yeah, 36, mm-hmm. 37 years. Like, I think you guys are, uh, I think you guys accomplished that mission. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you very much. So, Dan, really good having you on the show. Um, no, glad we could make this on. happen. Wow, that was loud. <laughs> that's, that's a send off. That's a send off. Yeah. We, well, it looks like we got to catch ourselves a quick. 30 second ferry ride yeah, home. You got the, you got to take the boat home. Got to take right. the boat home. Essex Island. Across, uh, you know, to ask, from Essex well, Island. Safe, safe travels. The seas are pretty calm <laughs> for you. Put it on the PFD and uh, you'll make it okay. Yeah, we'll make it all right. Yeah, cool. All right, Dan. Well, hey. Excellent. Yeah, good talking. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in to yet another episode of Along the Keel. It was great to have Dan on the show to learn all about Power Motor Yacht. He is such an interesting and really just down-to-earth kind person. So thank you, Dan, for coming on the show. It was great to meet you. If you want to learn more about Power Motor Yacht, you can head over to their website. They also have a podcast, and I was actually on their podcast recently. So you can check that out wherever you find Along the Keel is where you're going to find Power Motor Yacht Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to that. Leave a five-star review as well as a five-star review for Along the Keel. If you want to get in touch with me, you can go to Zach at alongthekeel.com. Shoot me an email. Happy to respond. And as always, make sure to have an awesome day, work hard, do good, be incredible, and we'll catch you on the next episode.